The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up with the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic grain and energy solutions bored of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Plenty of technical damage done to soybeans and soybean meal on the charts on the day, Tuesday. Welcome to Market Talk. Thanks so much for joining us here as we talk about the markets and issues impacting rural America. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Great to be with you once again as we have plenty to dive into. We've seen wheat and corn take their turn showing technical damage to the charts. Well, it appears it was soybeans' turn on the day Tuesday. Sharp down day in beans and soybean meal, which have been the bullish stalwarts of this commodity market for at least the past couple of months, if we really want to be honest about it. We're going to dive in and talk about just how much technical damage was done. Brian Split of agmarket.net is going to join us coming up here in segment two and three to discuss the market trade on Tuesday. Kicking things off, though, we got some comments from Mark Lucas of Stone Exit for Arlen Suderman. We talked about some of the uh, downfall in the soybean trade on the day. Got Mark's thoughts, talked about quartered wheat doing their best to hold in there. We talked a little bit about the outside market trade as well. Let's kick things off with comments from Mark Lucas of StoneX. Yeah, you know, you hit it on the head. A lot of it is, you know, a chart-related technical type of a breakout, but there are some fundamentals behind it as well that pushed us into that. You know, we're into that time of the year with Brazil harvest coming on. They're about uh, 32% harvested on their soybeans at this point. Current values, if you just look at FOB Gulf values, for example, going to China, uh, uh, which is our major importing country, uh, current values out of Brazil about $1.40 a bushel cheaper than out of the U.S., and so that does not bode well at all for, you know, near-term exports. It's, you know, that time of year, their harvest is coming in, and that's typically what happens. But uh, it's, they're cheaper by quite a bit yet and, uh, you know, just kind of tells our bean market that we're seeing some demand destruction on the export side of things. And I think, uh, you know, wheat's had its bout, and uh, corn uh, had a couple big days sell-off. It's kind of beans turn for the funds to jump in and do some selling. On corn and wheat as well, they're holding together okay in the face of that pressure in the uh, bean market here on Tuesday. It's still just some moderate loss. Is there anything of note in corn and wheat today? You know, I'm hearing a lot more talk here today on the corn and wheat with uh, talk about the Ukraine, that the grain shipping corridor, uh, uh, that is, uh, forget the date here in March that I think that's supposed to expire, but there's a lot more talk that it's likely that that corridor is going to continue to be um, left open. Uh, China released a, a statement last week talking, kind of addressing some of these issues, and one of them was that, uh, you know, they would like that uh, grain corridor to stay open, and, and I think uh, Russia is going to probably um, 
you know, follow uh, follow along with that. And, and um, in reality, it's probably better both for Ukraine and Russia to leave the corridor open. So I think that's getting, you know, keeping a, taking a little bit of the bullishness out of the corn and wheat market here as well today. Um, other than that, we got exp- uh, the uh, delivery uh, process started here, first notice day t- postings today. And we had uh, some deliveries on pretty much everything. We had a small amount of corn, small amount of beans, wheat. We had uh, some deliveries in Chicago, Casey, and Minneapolis. So, uh, you know, some deliveries all across the board this morning. But uh, more than anything else, it's just kind of good to get that out of the way and focus on other fundamentals. So. And Mark, uh, real quick as well, outside market trade. I know crude oil has been 1% to 2% higher here today. Stock market fairly quiet. Any thoughts in the outside trade? The market is really, just, you know, as we talked about yesterday, grappling with the this idea that our interest rates high enough and the Fed's done enough work. And, you know, it seems like we get one number out from, uh, you know, some monthly statistics and it's saying, yeah, the Fed's doing a good job. And then you get the next number and it's saying, no, they need to do more. And this morning is no difference. Uh, you know, you look at the uh, some of the housing numbers that came out out of the uh, Carolina numbers this morning. And, uh, yeah, housing, uh, you know, was down during December, but not as much as uh, what people thought it was going to be. And also, uh, at the same time, the Richmond Fed put out uh, their manufacturing index, and that was down uh, a little bit more than what people were looking for. So, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other, one saying, yeah, the Fed's doing you know their work and it's, it's having an effect, and the next number says, well, they need to do more. So, um, yeah, just kind of puts the stock market in kind of uh, uneven territory here right now. And once again, that's market analysis with Mark Lucas of Stonex in for Arlen Suderman here today. We're going to talk more about the markets coming up here in just a little bit. Want to talk about what's going on with the South American crop, though. Weather-wise, the drought pattern there may soon change. Farmers in Argentina have just been struggling through severe drought thanks to multiple years of La Nina. Mark Bruceberg, USDA chief meteorologist, spoke at the recent USDA Ag Outlook Forum. He says the pattern may finally be changing soon. The good news for some of these producers is we are now forecast to go into an El Nino. What does that mean? Or what can they look forward to? This is the circulation pattern. Now, this is completely the opposite of what you would expect to normally happen. You've got reverse flow all over the place. But interestingly enough, the impacts really are the opposite of what you get during a La Nina. And in the case of Argentina, you would expect wetter than normal conditions. Past weather patterns are a reason for some optimism ahead in Argentina. Here's what we've seen in past years. Argentina, and this is off of the PSD online, the Foreign Ag Service is maintaining, and you see that the years after La Nina's, they tend to rebound. Some years they've had record yields after several poor yields. If I were a farmer in Argentina, I would be optimistic. Not a forecast. I would think that I wouldn't see another year of drought. And again, that's USDA Chief Meteorologist Mark Bruceberg. And also, drought continues to impact Kansas wheat fields, but there are some pockets that are better than others. At the Wheat Quality Council annual meeting, Aaron Harries, Kansas Wheat Vice President of Research and Operations, says the winter wheat crop has some hope. 
there might be a little bit more hope. It's, you know, that dryness and drought has continued, so the western third of the state is in pretty rough shape. We've started to see a little bit more moisture return in the weather pattern, but we really need it to flip around here as we're headed into March and April. Obviously, that's a critical time where the wheat is coming out of dormancy and really going through that water. Southwest Kansas, boy, it's probably too far gone. There are just a lot of wheat that didn't emerge, and if it hasn't emerged by March 1st, uh, you might as well give up on it, but the southwest corner has been really hard hit place. Harry says Kansas wheat growers did slightly increase planted acres for the growing season. We saw a little bit of an uptick in acres again this year, uh, very slightly. And again, that was brought about by the marketplace. And those input costs being a challenge with other crops, I think it's, yeah, it is logical at this price to put some more wheat in the ground. So that may have helped us gain a little bit. But again, the weather in the fall just wasn't favorable to planting conditions. So depended a lot on planting date as it usually does, um, the variability of the crop attributed to that. And he adds that growers will know more about their crop in May. The next big event for all of us is the wheat tour in the middle of May. That's where we really get a good handle on the crop. So from now until that point, we're just watching the weather patterns, hoping for some moisture in between now and then. And that wheat tour says a lot. That's Aaron Harris, Kansas Wheat Vice President of Research and Operations. All right, coming up, we are going to talk markets more in depth. Brian Split, agmarket.net. He joins us on the way after the break, back with more market talk right after this. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, as we take a look at the dust settling on Tuesday, plenty of red on the screen led by the soybean complex, beans, bean meal moving sharply to the downside. We have a lot of ground to cover. Let's jump right in to talk about it. Welcoming in here to the show today, our good friend Brian Split of agmarket.net. Brian, always great to catch up with you, sir. Hope you're doing. Uh, hope you're doing better than that soybean market was on Tuesday, buddy. Yeah, Jesse, uh, I'm doing just fine. Thank you for asking. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty rough day all around, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a rough day. Uh, just looking across the board. I mean, for most of the session, it felt like quarter wheat tried to hang in there, and compared to the soy complex, I guess still kind of did, but. It just feels like a lot of a lot of bearishness in this market here as we hit the end of February. And let's just start right away with that soybean complex. I know we've we've seen a bit of a technical washout, technical damage in wheat. We've seen it in corn. Felt like maybe it was time for soybeans here. What's your thoughts with just uh, what you see on the charts there after Tuesday's session? How much damage did we do technically, Brian? Uh, we did a lot of damage, Jesse. And so I, what I would say is that um, if you think about corn last week, um, we broke down out of what I would call an ascending triangle pattern. So we had a lot of highs that were all at the same price, but we had a kind of an uptrend uh, through the, making those highs. And then when we took out that uptrend, that was that's considered the breakdown. Um, so the soybean chart has the same pattern, except we just took out that uptrend today. Uh, so if you think about what corn is still doing, I mean, geez, you know, this is a, a week into this sell-off and, uh, you know, we were down another 12 cents today. So um, I don't think this is it for soybeans. Um, I, the measurement for me uh, measures down to about 1430 on the May contract. So that suggests we still could see, you know, another 50 cents. And that's just to meet the 100% objective of, of the measurement. Um, 
relatively speaking, that 100% measurement for May corn was at about 636 and three quarters, simply a retest of the December lows. And we took that out and closed below it today. Uh, the 150% measurement would be 618. So um, just because the, the measured objective is hit doesn't mean that's where it stops and turns around. I know, obviously, end of the month, we, we tend to have some different money flow around the end of the month squaring up books. I know, throw an options expiration there. Uh, plus two, look at the South American crop, Brazil, namely. I, I have to wonder, did all of these things kind of come together to maybe drive some funds out of these uh, markets, particularly soybeans on Tuesday? Yeah, I think for the soybeans, you know, there's a rumor that uh, Grain, which is China, uh, is washing out some Argentina purchases in favor of Brazil. Um, you know, who knows? It may just be, hey, Cargill, Argentina says we don't have the beans, buy them from Cargill, Brazil instead. And uh, But it, they are able to do that uh, at a cheaper price. Brazil is trading, I think, about $25 a ton uh, under Argentina. And, and close to $90 a ton under under U.S. soybeans. So, you know, these are things that we've been talking about for quite some time, that eventually this big Brazil crop is going to catch up to us. Uh, but what that does, though, is that now, if, if that's 1 million tons less that Argentina uh, as a whole, as a country, is going to have to send to China, which means that's a million tons that they can keep to, to crush for meal. Um, so that should help relieve some of the, the pressure in the world meal market. Um, and so we did have meal break down a little bit today. Uh, but yes, the, uh, the move in, in soybeans uh, th did the most chart damage. Um, November beans back below 1350. It looks like we're probably primed for a retest of those January lows in that 1330 area. Uh, if you take that out, I would say you had a 1330 low. We went up and made a high right at about 14 bucks. So that's a, a 70 cent rally. So if we, uh, if we fail through 1330, that should project... 70 cents through that, uh, which would take you to about 1260. There's a gap to fill at 1269 and a quarter. And I think that that's a very likely objective to hit in the next 30 to 60 days. Now, Brian, we've been talking for weeks now. You and I have, your colleagues, I've talked with other folks, just pointing out the downside risk in these markets, cord, soybeans specifically. I'll stick on those for right now. As we look at, a, at the down moves we've seen, the chart damage that's been done the last few sessions, I think this has got to come back to a risk management conversation about, okay, if you haven't necessarily made some of the moves you were thinking of making, do you make some of those moves now after seeing some of this technical damage done in Court of Beans, Brian? Yeah, so I mean that's uh, definitely some some risk needs to be managed uh, for us internally. We've recommended being fifty percent sold on on both new crop corn and soybeans, um, and so we feel pretty good about where we're at there. Um, we've done an awful lot on corn in a short period of time. Uh, we're trading a lot like twenty thirteen, and uh, that year we did make some lows in the uh, early March timeframe and and bounced. Uh, into the planning intentions and quarterly stocks. Um, so I know, I, I think part of this sell-off really started in corn with those Ag Outlook Forum numbers and uh, just the realization that, hey, if acres are 91 million and you, know, you throw a trend line yield and you can argue about their trend line yield all you want, but um, that really changes the outlook of the balance sheet and you're close to a 1.9 type carryout number. That's definitely not $6 corn. And, and frankly, if that's the carryout that we achieve big picture, that's not $5 corn either. Um, so, yes, I think you have to look at, at rallies as selling opportunities. Um, but let's not forget, we still have a tight old crop scenario. 
Likely the USDA will, will reduce the corn for export on the report next week. Uh, we've probably priced in a, a chunk of that. So maybe after that report, that might be the impetus to go up and, and uh, bounce a little bit into the end of the, end of the quarter and end of the month for that report. Um, but boy, it, it's just been a, a tough one here. And, and if you're still at profitable levels, you really have to think about getting something on the books. And if it does bounce, layering in some more sales. Yeah, a lot of things to consider. And I know you brought up those Ag Outlook Forum numbers. Were, were you su as surprised with the reaction in the grain markets to some of those numbers, the acreage number, the, you know, the farm income forecast, et cetera, all the numbers that they threw at us? Because I know typically in the past, the trade usually just kind of looks at those numbers and says, okay, and, and for the most part kind of moves on. Were you surprised by some of this bearish reaction we've gotten in the market? Um, you know, right. I, I've been told, right, that the market doesn't care about these Ag Outlook form numbers. But, yeah. geez, I, I think part of the problem is we just haven't had any news at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've had weeks without a commitment of trade report to tell us where the funds are. And uh, is maybe it was just that, that, that we finally got some numbers to trade and they were bearish. Um, the funds know they're long, but they don't know how long they are in the big picture. And, and you know, we we're getting towards the end of the month. So I think that maybe just drove the idea that, hey, uh, the balance sheets are going to change um, without a weather problem. And, and you know, we're going to book some profits here. And I, I so uh, in a typical year, you probably won't see the same type of reaction that we had this year. But I think it was just the market was starved for, for information, starved for a story. And it, and it got a story and it was bearish. Um, and and uh, we reacted pretty aggressively to it. Now, the wheat markets, Brian, uh, especially Chicago, KC, wheat here the last couple of weeks, we've really been doing plenty of damage there. That's kind of where it all started. I I'm wondering, how are we maybe finding some support, finding a bottom in these markets? You know, I mentioned Tuesday was not a bad day. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. Do you feel like we're maybe finding some support? What do the charts tell you there? Yeah, I mean, we're very close to lower levels here. I, I tend to focus more on the new crop wheat at this point instead of the old crop. I, I feel like for most of the producers, the old crop is, is pretty irrelevant. It's more of a new crop uh, issue for them. And so you look at new crop uh, SRW, the soft red, that's the Chicago variety. We did make some new lows for the move, but we're kind of in this downward trending channel and we're at the low end of that channel. So hopefully we can catch here. Uh, you look at the HRW, that's your uh, your hard red wheat. Um, Revisiting this $8, this lower $8 uh, price point. Um, so we're, we're very close to support there. And I just think that with the scope of the move we've had recently, it's, you know, we broke a little over a buck here um, in very short period of time. I, I tend to think the funds have some short wheat paper that's attached to long bean paper. And if we start to see further liquidation in the soybeans, that that could in a way support wheat, especially while we're down at the lower end here. Um, but I think you have to be very mindful uh, and, and we may have talked about this over the last couple of months, Jesse, of, of this continuous chart for hard red wheat. And um, we're trading an awful lot like 2008. Um, you look at the highs that we made uh, after the invasion uh, within a nickel of the highs in 08. And uh, what ended up happening is once we got through eight bucks and we eventually did, uh, it took us about two months to break over another $2. And so um, I've really just been urging hard red producers to have some kind of a floor at eight bucks just in case uh, this, this story in the Black Sea region does not give us more opportunity to bounce further.
And once again, we're having a conversation with Brian Split of agmarket.net joining us here today on Market Talk. We're going to continue the convo coming up after the break. I'll also have a look at some of the closing numbers from Tuesday's session as well. We still have news headlines to get to that much more coming up here on the show as we'll be back with more Market Talk on the way right after this. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency. So you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit FSPropane.com for more information. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk here today. Jesse Allen with you at studio. Always great to be with you. Brian Split of agmarket.net is our guest analyst. And we're going to get back to our convo with Brian coming up here in just a second. Want to take a look at some of the closing numbers from Tuesday's trade action. March cord was down 13 at a quarter, 629 at a half. July cord down 11 at a half, 622 at a quarter. New crop December cord was down six at a quarter, 569 and three quarters on the day. Soybeans March 27 to three quarters lower, 1490 at a half. July was down 32, 14.69 and a half. New crop November soybeans down 24, three quarters, 13.47 and a quarter. Soybean meal for March down 11, 10 a ton, 487.60. May down 14.70 a ton, 467.10. March bean oil down 29 points, 59.75. May bean oil down 30 points at 60.04. Chicago wheat, May, four and a half lower, 705 and a half. July down four and a quarter, 713 to three quarters. December, Chicago wheat down three, 741. May, Kansas City wheat, four and a quarter lower, 812 and three quarters. July down five, 806 and a half. December down five, 817 and a quarter. Spring wheat, March, half a penny lower, 869. July down one and a quarter, 864. December, spring wheat down two at 858 and a quarter. March oats, 18 and a half lower, 359 and three quarters, May down eight and a half, 335. Over in the livestock trade, had a mostly positive day there on Tuesday. February live cattle going off the board up 250, 167.50. April up 50, 165.47. June live cattle up 47, 161.35. August live cattle up 60 at 160.25. Feeder cattle for March up 62, 189.80. April up 85, 195.07. May feeder cattle up 90, 199.62. And in hogs, April up 45, 85.17. May hogs up 27, 94.40. June hogs down 37, 101.72, and July down 42 at 104.10. That was how the markets wrapped up on the day on Tuesday. We are having a conversation today with Brian Split of agmarket.net. Brian, you mentioned a couple things, and this just you know peaked a question in my head. I'm curious your thoughts here. You just mentioned 2008, how the wheat market kind of trading like 2008. Earlier, you mentioned how core beans kind of a 2012 type mindset right now 
if we look back at history, is that something we need to maybe think about looking back at history and how some of those markets reacted, those time frames to maybe think about what could possibly happen in front of us here, especially for producers who were around and marketing in, in those years? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to kind of use the the past and, and, you know, similar setups to at least think of, hey, you know, I mean, it's no secret. You think about 2012. All right. So what happened? You had a drought. We went to eight dollar plus corn um, that we did that last year. Right. Ten years later. Um, and what does that do? That that hurts demand. Right. Um, and so, you know, I've had producers tell me, well, I'm not going to sell new crop corn at six dollars when I'm delivering old crop corn at seven dollars. And I say, OK, sir. Uh, we've seen this movie before. Think back 10 years ago. You told me the same exact thing. You didn't want to sell D's 13 because you were delivering, you know, your old crop at, at a higher price. But that's how the market, these inverted markets fix themselves. Um, so it's not a good excuse to not sell. And uh, again, every year is its, its own market. So things can change. We could develop a weather scenario that really takes us off track from 2013. But I'm a believer that when you have a roadmap in front of you, until that roadmap puts you in a ditch, I'm going to keep following it. And, and right now, it's it's following that that uh, roadmap pretty nicely. Good thoughts to consider. Let's segue to the livestock trade. Cattle and hogs, uh, fairly decent day there uh, with the downturn in grains. I'm not surprised we had a little bit of strength. This cattle market, cattle on feed report last Friday, Numbers came in pretty much as expected. Feels like we've kind of been in consolidation mode for the most part to start the week. What are your thoughts on this cattle trade, Brian? Yeah, I don't know. It feels like to me cattle's getting a little tired. I think about feeders and the fact that old crop corn just broke over 50 cents in less than a week. And, you know, we're, we're down another 12, whatever today. And the feeder market was higher, but not impressively higher. Uh, so are we starting to run into some bigger picture resistance levels where it's just hard to pay up for these uh, you know, at, at these values, uh, you look at the live cattle market and, and April had a, a measured objective on a, on kind of the opposite pattern, um, for live cattle than what we talked about on corn and soybeans. So corn and soybeans had that ascending triangle. Um, the, uh, live cattle also had an ascending triangle, but it broke out to the upside instead of the downside. So the measure ob objective there would have been, uh, 166.10. Uh, we've hit that, we've traded a little bit through it. So I think the cash market needs to continue to show strength in order for the futures to want to continue to go higher. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I'm still concerned about the economy and uh, I just continue to look at, at the low volatility that's that these the cattle options are priced in. And I think it's you're, there's really no excuse to, to not have puts if you're a cattle producer to just make sure that something stupid doesn't happen and leave the upside open. Uh, you're, you're at uh, good levels right now. And uh, you switch over to the, to the lean hogs, and I, yeah. I'm hearing from African swine fever in Europe. Uh, this is early in that story, so we need to really keep an eye on that. But that could be something that definitely brings in some more export business uh, over the next few months if, if that uh, story uh, grows further. Well, and to your point, exports as well. We saw strong exports here this past week, a little over 51,000. China, the top buyer again on the pork side. China buying beef too. So I, I think a combo of exports, but then also you mentioned the economy, watching the economy, watching that retail demand. That's going to be very, a uh, very key piece of this puzzle, I think, in this protein sector the next couple of months ahead as we have that kind of lull right now in between, you know, the end of winter and grilling season, Brian. 
Yeah, and you know, from a fund manager perspective, you think about cattle, uh, you know, been strong, the hog market, and we bounced a little bit, but hogs have been pretty weak, uh, relatively uh, speaking, towards cattle. And so uh, when you look at the amount of credit card debt that's out there in, in, the, in the U.S., when you look at um, the percentage, at least that's being reported of households in the U.S. that are living paycheck to paycheck, I think I read it was like 65%. Um, so then you start to wonder about discretionary spending for beef. Um, does pork become popular again? If we have a story with African swine fever build into something more, does the fund manager say, you know what, let's take some profit on the cattle side. Let's look at the, the hog side as, as a cheaper protein source and start to build some link there. So, you know, these are all things that, that could materialize here over the next couple months. Brian, before we wrap it up real quick, anything you're watching in the outside markets? I know crude oil on the day Tuesday was up one to 2%, stock market kind of quiet. A lot of inflation data out recently here. Anything you're watching in the outside market trade? Yeah, so you brought up crude oil. It looks like there's a little bit of a head and shoulder pattern there that uh, could materialize. And, and if it does, um, that would take uh, May crude oil down to about $63 a barrel. So again, these head and shoulder patterns are not head and shoulders until you take out the neckline, which we've yet to do. But today's highs uh, went right to kind of some highs that that it would match up with symmetrically on, on the other side of the, the pattern. So uh, yeah, we're up today, but uh, if we see some selling come in here from this point forward, I think you have to be mindful of a, a break that could be 10 to $15 in crude oil. And, and if that came to fruition, what would that mean for grains? Uh, so that's also something to watch out for. Um, dollar, dollar has been strong. Uh, you know, we, we made some lows there and uh, we've come off of those lows pretty aggressively. And uh, if that dollar strength continues, that's just going to be one other thing that's going to be tough for the grains to, to uh, rally through. Um, so, again, that's more of a narrative. Uh, you could shoot holes in that narrative, too. I mean, we had the dollar trade as high as 115, and here we are at 104. So we're going to be bearish, you know, uh, a dollar rally at this point when we've seen higher values. Uh, so, you know, the relationships don't always correlate perfectly, but, uh, you know, all, all stuff to be mindful of. Definitely. Well, Brian, I always appreciate the time and the insight. And I know if folks have questions, they need help navigating this uh, this market environment and the volatility. They can reach out to you and the team there at agmarket.net very easily. What's the best way to get a hold of you guys, Brian? Yeah, our general line is 844-4-AG-MARKET. So 844-424-6758. Uh, our website's www.agmarket.net. And you can reach me directly at 815-665-0463. Well, Brian, appreciate the time. As always, thanks for joining us. I know we'll uh, talk to you again real soon. Take care, and uh, thanks again. All right. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate it. And once again, that's Brian Split of agmarket.net. Always great to have him with us. And again, you can find them online very easily. Agmarket.net is the best way to reach them or give them a call, 844 ag market. Again, as we were talking about, a pretty rough day led by that soybean and meal complex to the downside. March beans down 27 to three quarters, 1490 and a half. May down 33 and three quarters, 1479. July beans were down 32, 1469 and a half. New crop November beans down 24 three quarters, 1347 and a quarter. Soybean meal March down 1110 a ton, 48760. May down 1470 a ton, 46710. Bean oil for March down 29 points, 5975. May down 30 points at 
6004. Corn March was down 13 at a quarter, 629 and a half. May down 13 at a quarter, 630 at a quarter. July core down 11 and a half, 622 at a quarter. December down six at a quarter, 569 and three quarters. March Chicago wheat four and a half lower, 691 and a half. May down four and a half, 705 and a half. July Chicago wheat down four and a quarter, 713 to three quarters. KC wheat May down four to quarter, 812 and three quarters. July down five, 806 and a half. Spring wheat May down one and a quarter, 867 at a quarter. July down one and a quarter at 864. Livestock trade, live cattle February up 250, 167.50 going off the board there. April live cattle up 50, 165.47. March feeders up 62, 189.80. April up 85, 195.07. Hogs, April up 45, 85.17. May hogs up 27, 94.40. June hogs down 37, 101.72. All right, coming up next, we're going to take a look at some of the news headlines in agriculture before we wrap it up here today. We'll be back with more market talk on the way right after this. with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us again here today on Market Talk. Big thanks to Brian Split of agmarket.net for being with us as well here today as we took a look at what was happening in the market trade on Tuesday. Again, uh, plenty to definitely uh, keep in mind here as we watch the trade. Uh, just a lot of pressure in that soy complex. And again, you know, wrapping up the month of February, rolling the calendar to March, see how that money flow acts on Wednesday's trade and how the trade goes the rest of the week. want to mention as well, coming up here next week, Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida, getting ready to take place, the 2023 edition of Commodity Classic, and very excited. We're going to be broadcasting Market Talk on location with the National Corn Growers Association in booth 1603 on the trade show floor Thursday and Friday. And we'll be doing that from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time, of course, Orlando Eastern Time, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursday and Friday afternoon. We'll be broadcasting Market Talk Live with the National Corn Growers Association, booth 1603 at Commodity Classic. Looking forward to being in sunny Florida here next week and uh, going to be having some great guests on tap from the National Corn Growers Association. We'll have various market analyst guests as well. I know uh, Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing, Ted Seifert with Zaner Agheads. They're both planning to stop by, and uh, there may be more on that list as well. So definitely make sure uh, you uh, catch us uh, at Commodity Classic next week. If you're going to be there, we'd love for you to stop by and uh, check out the live uh, show Thursday and Friday afternoon again, 3 to 4 Eastern, coming up next week at Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. Well, in the wake of disasters, it's often farmers dealing with the aftermath. This holds true in East Palestine, Ohio, where in early February, train derailment and fire released toxic chemicals into the environment. That incident along the Ohio-Pennsylvania border has been making world headlines ever since with public outcry playing an unprecedented role. Doug Molenkoff raises beef cattle for seed stock and freezer beef with his young family on the outskirts of East Palestine. Very large fire. We could see it pretty clear from our house that evening. And we got all the smoke. 
because we're to the north, we didn't get any water runoff issues here. So we don't have too much concern about the the water issues. Unfortunately, the, everybody that lives south of, of town got, got all the water issues and we got all the smoke issues. The area was evacuated shortly after the train derailment, though it's not easy for cattlemen to leave their livelihood. By the time that they decided to do away with the rest of the train cars on Monday afternoon, then I believe we were. Uh, my wife and, and our little boy, they, they did leave for, for a day or so. Unfortunately, cows still need to eat, so so I was here for that and got to see all of it. The immediate cloud from the fire is gone, but questions now turn to the long-term effects of the released chemicals on the area and watershed. Molenkoff says he's had cattle and people affected. Myself, yeah, I, I worked in the smoke all day, Saturday and, and again on Sunday. And, and yeah, I had, I had some issues, and, and I've actually done some adulting and uh and went and 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 got checked out and and went for another update yesterday and i'm doing fine cattle we did we did have have a little bit of issue with um young babies overall the the general health of the entire cow herd is is pretty good right now but like i say we did have we did have some issues in the in the really young calves and with smoke inhalations he did lose one calf to smoke inhalation and says he's awaiting test results from the Ohio Department of Agriculture. Norfolk Southern, the rail company involved in the incident, has been put in charge of the cleanup with oversight from the EPA. Initially, soil and liquid waste removed from the site was being transported to locations around the country. Public outcries halted that, causing officials to rethink their cleanup plan this week. In the meantime, Molenkoff says he and his fellow producers are moving forward. And everybody's pretty much with the idea that let's just kind of let's let's do due diligence let's let's keep track of everything let's do some testing i know some guys have pulled some soil samples that just want to know and so pretty much everybody's really really prepared to just just move forward but at the same time you know keep track of everything record everything and what testing is available that, that you think might apply to you, then, then I know guys that are doing it. And again, that's Doug Molenkoff of East Palestine, Ohio, talking his experience in the aftermath of the hazardous train derailment and fire. Well, the Ag Innovation Challenge is a business-based competition designed to showcase startups in the U.S. Chase Heineman, Director of Industry Relations at American Farm Bureau Federation, says they're looking for people who are working on ways to help meet the challenges faced by farmers and ranchers. It is an opportunity for these startups to pitch their ideas to American Farm Bureau, as well as our judges, and to secure funding for their ideas, for their businesses, to help grow their businesses and take it to the next level. It's also an opportunity for them to interface with other professionals in the startup space. The Ag Innovation Challenge is in its 10th year and has continued growing since it began. Heineman says this is a great opportunity for new businesses, both from a financial and development standpoint. The Ag Innovation Challenge is obviously an awesome opportunity to get an increase in financing. So if, if companies, startups are looking to expand operations or, or take their companies to the next level, this is an opportunity. More so even than that, it's a great opportunity to network with other startups. Well, the Ag Innovation Challenge is presented in partnership with Farm Credit. Farm Bureau will award $165,000 in startup funds to 10 different businesses. For more information, you can go to fb.org forward slash challenge. Again, that's fb.org forward slash challenge. Well, Nathan Simmington, a commissioner for the Federal Communications Commission, spoke out on the continued importance of AM radio to public safety. 
He says the issue of continuing to include AM radios and electric vehicles deserves urgent attention. Simington says, quote, as electric vehicle adoption increases, we must not leave behind those in rural areas who depend on radio for their news and alerts, end quote. He points out that growing up in rural Saskatchewan was like living in a connectivity desert, adding, quote, back then, like now, radio was essential for staying connected. While some things have changed, not enough has changed to eliminate the need for radio and the situation is similar in the United States, end quote. Now, he also believes the FCC has a duty to make clear how valuable AM radio is to its listeners, adding, quote, further, we should be good stewards of the AM radio band. That includes safeguarding AM radio reception, end quote. Well, that is all the time we have for Market Talk here today. Thanks again to Brian Split of agmarket.net for joining us. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to have a conversation with Chad Hart, economist at Iowa State University. That's going to do it for the show. Have a fantastic rest of your day. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. We'll talk to you tomorrow with more Market Talk. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information.